Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach LaGreca. I'm Bergen DeVal. Kevin Gentry. David Odukoya. Lou Cirillo. Patrick Kuchkowski. I'm Jake Worland. Today, we're going to talk about how to write effective documentation um, and really how to collaborate through documentation effectively. Um, so in kind of um, the setup a lot of us are in now working remotely, um, I think this has become more important than ever, um, but this was important regardless. Um, and so, um, yeah, let's let's kickstart that. Um, how do you write documentation? Why is it important? Like. How do you use documents to be effective as a product manager? I think um, everyone has a sense of a PRD or a product brief or some sort of document that you kind of put together a concept of an idea or at least the start of a discovery of an idea or concept or product that you're building. Um, and I've used a lot of different software to accomplish this. My, my most favorite recently has been Google Docs just because of the collaborative nature in there and you can kind of tag other folks, ask questions in the doc, but um, I've kind of found it super important to have one doc for a given idea instead of having a lot of multiple docs because decisions could be made in other uh, forms, even emails or um, um, meetings, right? Like decisions could be made in meetings that aren't actually captured um, and that can really throw um, unalignment into the mix with certain ideas or projects. But uh, my, my go-to has been like a product brief and a Google Doc um, is one of my most favorites as of recently. Mm -hmm. Rule by decree. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Rule by decree. <laughs> Kidding, what Kevin said. <laughs> maybe just uh, in case we have any listeners who don't completely understand maybe what a product brief is why don't we all go around and just say like what are some of the things that you should definitely include in your in your product brief um personally i'm a fan of starting with like writing a background paragraph right at the top that kind of explains what led to this idea you know coming to fruition followed by a you know what we're doing and and a why it's beneficial for the uh, the company that's how i always usually like to start mine yeah, sort of like this statement to kind of sum up as much as you can. I, I think one of the tools that I've used is like a modification to the jobs to be done statement as like mm. a summary like sentence to identify your customer problem. Um, if folks aren't familiar with jobs to be done, go look that up. It's, it's very interesting. It's user-centric problems. Um, and the statement that I use, the modification is when someone in a situation they want a strategy to resolve their struggle so they can have a desired outcome. So it's basically a template so that you can use that template and fill that in with the idea or concept that you're, you're building. It really helps you kind of get that base foundation um, for the brief. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. sense. I think, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I think, it, I think it, it comes, for me, it comes down to, dare I quote a TED Talk, but starting with why. Mm -hmm. um, why are you doing it? Um, and then kind of an overarching vision for the what. Um, it's like, what, what, what's the solution? I think to your point, Kevin, like the jobs to be done statement really does a nice job of succinctly articulating that. But at that point, once you kind of paint the vision and then everyone else can, can rally around that, but I think putting that in a tangible way that people can consume 
it just unlocks the rest of the team at that point. I think that's a good point is using the document as a way for the team to rally around what you're doing. I always kind of treat documentation like your product manager has done their homework, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to just send people off into, into battle blindly, like, Oh, we're just doing this because Lou said so, you know, you want to have a little, you're going to hope he has some logic behind what he's doing. And that's, that's usually what I hope to capture in the documentation. Yeah. I think, I think the goal of the document should be irregardless of squad and area of focus that that one page write up can be sent to anyone in the organization to give them kind of a gut check of what you're working on. And particularly if it's not a user focused feature and it's some sort of platform enhancement, making sure that that the value of that work is understood by both the technical and the non-technical teams. And I think there's room in that document for both of those to be accomplished. So, um, you know, kind of collaborating with the engineers on your squad, I mean, kind of product responsibility around the what and the why we're doing these platform pieces, but then working with some engineers on the team to maybe include some flow diagrams and here's how the data flow will, works now and then after, just so you can paint that holistic picture irregardless of the end audience. Yeah, I feel like the product brief for me is a little bit of a mosaic of a couple of different pieces coming together. Um, kind of like Lou mentioned, it's a product manager doing your homework. And so you're working with a lot of different teams to really bring a project to fruition across uh, usually technology, marketing, you know, various aspects of the business. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think a big part of it is the um, summarizing the, the problem or the opportunity you're solving for really effectively. Um, and then kind of describing your vision for what the world looks like once your product is complete. So now that you've solved this problem, Here's, here's why things are so great for your user, for your customer. Um, their life is so much easier because they can do this thing um, or so much simpler because they have this feature that they can use. Um, and that can help really point your, your team in the direction of, okay, so here's the end goal of what we're trying to do so that they don't kind of go off on you know, this tangent or that tangent um, because they, they know the direction of where they're going. And same beyond your engineering team, um, same with your marketing team, your sales team, whoever else. Um, and that can help get alignment too. Um, I also like the idea of you know, starting it in Google Docs or something similar. Um, I tend to like these to be fairly collaborative, um, at least um, for quite a while. Uh, because uh, it's a good way to get alignment with the team. You might find you write up your product brief and share it and, uh, you know, marketing or sales or, or someone else uh, doesn't necessarily agree with the end state or, you know, what you think you're working on. Um, and it's great to do that up front to make sure everyone understands what you're driving towards. You know, the other thing that's good with these two that we haven't had is like another component is calling out risks. So as much as we're explaining the vision, it's also good to get alignment on what the possible risks or assumptions that you're making are in the process. And I find that documenting that is, is super helpful because, you know, if somebody's ever like, hey, you know, kind of comes back at you later and is like, hey, you know, what about this? It's like, yeah, you know what, we documented that. It's here, you know. So treating the product brief not just as a aspirational for what the product should be, but also practical. Like it has to call it risks, it has to call it your assumptions, it has to contain the data that you've accumulated, um, anything that goes into it. One thing I found that helps a little bit with keeping the product brief evergreen is to also include and continuously update it with kind of the same thing. So 
not just the risks and assumptions, but also questions and thoughts, concerns as they continue to come up, as well as documentation on what the solution and answer was. Because otherwise, I feel like sometimes we're like, we put this thing together, we've addressed the assumptions and the risks, and now we're just kind of throwing it over the wall and it just kind of dies somewhere. Uh, or we don't return to it. So continuously updating it with those questions helps quite a bit too. But question for the group here. How many product briefs do you guys have started but not yet like kind of in development, like more discovery phase at a given time? At least a handful. I think I've got two or three right now. Two or three. Yeah, I think I have four or five at the moment that are like drafts. Yeah. I have 12. No, I'm kidding. I had like a handful, two or three. <laughs> I feel like I have five or five to 10, maybe. <laughs> and just like, but I think like a draft is like, you know, maybe a statement or like, here's an idea I want to capture and then eventually add some meat to it. But um, I kind of find. I don't know if you, if you guys do this process, but since we use AHA as a tool here for road mapping, I kind of find that what I like to do is put together, you know, have, have the blocks out for initiatives in the roadmap. And then as I kind of like, you know, I'm say within two to three, you know, maybe like I'm within a two to three month window, I try to like write a product brief for everything that's in that window. And just that way it's like attached to that initiative and what I find is that sometimes the ones that are further out are more draft oriented, like the just yeah. kind of summaries and the ones that are closer tend to be a bit more detailed out, but that's, I kind of use aha to like prevent me from, I think trying to have too many docs because I so forget about them. You start <laughs> planning with the roadmap first and then you plan or then you fill out the details on the briefs. Yeah. I, I love the fact that with aha, you can take kind of like a visual aspect to it and you kind of play with your building blocks and then, you kind of add the details a little later. Mm -hmm. I like that idea too, because it, it kind of forces you to prioritize what you're putting your time and energy into because writing, you know, your product brief or documentation on an idea is a good thing to do, but it's not necessarily the right thing to write, you know, 30 product briefs all at once when some of those things may be two years from now. And one, you're going to lose that document probably. Um, Yep. And two, yeah. things will change a lot by then. And so the further out you get, uh, having more, more vague documentation is kind of how it tends to go for me too. I, I liked, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I liked, uh, the idea of documentation is a sign that a product manager has done their homework. Um, I think, in terms of effectively collaborating, um, that's that's kind of something to keep in mind too. Is how do you how do you get people on the same page and make people feel like they can trust what you're working on? Um, any more any more thoughts on, on that? Like uh, effectively doing your homework as a product manager. Um, I'm not sure if you guys use like uh, initiative boards or anything of that nature in in Jira, but it's, it's kind of like a copy from Aha. But our engineering teams have been using it. And for an initiative for us to put it on the board, they typically ask that we have a product brief written out and that, that your engineering manager is put together or like a tech lead is put together like a statement around like, oh, are there any architectural changes that are happening or anything else kind of in that design process? So it, as much as it's also doing homework, I think practically the way that we've been looking at it as well is like it's a prerequisite before work starts. 
which, um, you know, is both good and bad. Yeah, I, I like that. We, we do something similar in my group. Um, and I think one of the things that's helpful about that is it forces you to think through some of those things that you, you mentioned, um, such as like the practical use cases. Um, so um, I think when you're presenting an idea to like leadership or someone like that, a lot of times they'll start jumping to those things they're concerned about, like, well, how much money is this going to cost us? Um, what are the concerns with, you know, users abusing this feature? Um, things that maybe are not the, uh, the kind of happy path of what you're trying to do. Um, but are really important. And I think a documentation, a product brief where you've kind of done that thinking, um, it helps you like in terms of sharing that document, but I think it also helps you generally as a product manager, just knowing what you're doing and why. Um, I think in my earlier, uh, earlier in my career, it was easy to just put together like a PowerPoint deck of, you know, here's some bullet points that we're going to do and why it's exciting. And it, it looked great as a presentation, but it didn't necessarily factor in a lot of the details. Whereas a document, you have to, um, write down in a lot more detail your thoughts. Um, and it's just more of a rigorous mental exercise uh, to go through for what you're trying to do um, and puts you in a better place, I think, for, for justifying and um, thinking through what you're, what you're doing. You know, the other thing too, as we were kind of talking about collaborating through documentation, um, I'm not sure if you guys do this, but definitely assigning tasks or blocks inside of your product brief to other people, including engineers or you know, other product managers I also find is really good. So just using the Google tool and just throwing a quick note like, hey, so-and-so, could you could you fill this out for me? Um, is also, I think, a pretty good use case for it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, something my team does as well is we'll use the um, tagging and assigning feature in Google Docs. And then in our planning meetings every week, we'll start the meeting by going through unclosed tasks um, to kind of make sure we don't lose track of anything. Um, and that helps me a lot because it's, it, it's easy to, you know, in an hour long meeting, identify all these things that everyone's going to go do and lose track of a bunch of them. Um, and you don't remember it until two months later. Um, so that's, that's what we do every week. We start by reviewing what's still open. Can we close this out? Did someone achieve what they said they were going to do? If not, let's pull it forward. And that helps me too, because sometimes there'll be a task that I pulled forward three weeks in a row and I, I feel bad telling the team again that I still haven't completed that. So it's like, okay, let's knock that out or figure out why it's not getting done. Maybe the priority is not what we thought. So question for the group, when do you start to archive or kind of remove some of the documentation you've done? Like when is it no longer valid? When is it just cluttering up space? I know we use uh, Confluence as well. And I know that can get extremely dense then especially if you've done a bunch of documentation quarter by quarter. So what are people's strategies to make sure, A, that that's relevant, B, that people can find it, and then it's just not just kind of this wastebasket of documentation? Yeah, for me in Confluence, I, when I used to document more in Confluence, I had three different folders. I had active product briefs under consideration and then completed. So at least I could organize it at that level. Um, and then you can only have, you know, a certain amount active at a given time. And then maybe, you know, even I could see now a couple different buckets in there, but, um, I, I like that way at a high level. When I moved to Google docs, it is much harder to keep track of those. Whereas now I have like 50 tabs open on my computer, which <laughs> I, I, I want a better way to manage that. So I might, I might start looking into a, a different way, but, um, curious to see what other people do. 
feel like mine go into the death bin once the uh, initiative or the epic is completed. <laughs> and I just, I don't mean that in the death bin, like I've done anything with them, just more like I think they start to get ignored. <laughs> I think it's important to mark on the document if it's no longer being updated. Um, we had that, we had a rollout document that was just kind of documenting decisions we made as rolling out a feature like a year ago. And it was kind of a source of the truth for folks and just not knowing who looks at it at any given time. It's important to communicate with people if it's still being updated or not. That being said though, I don't think you should ever delete anything. I don't know why, like why, why, why delete it? Like, you know, I don't know. Google's got theoretically unlimited storage. Yeah. Um, so as long as it's organized well, there, there's all, there may be a use case to, to pull it out at some point in the future. Who knows? Yeah, I've definitely consolidated. I, I would say like I have maybe some disparate ideas or a little feature idea here that actually is a part of the bigger um, project or product and, and, and taking a pass at kind of deprecating that sheet and moving um, important items over to the other one. Um, I've done that maybe a couple of times, but. Yeah, I would challenge team members to go back through their Confluence section and and make sure the documentation that is there is accurate at least once a quarter because a lot of things change and Confluence is a you can look at timestamps on those documents, but unless they're being proactively removed, people are assuming that something still exists. So it's a lot of times going back and, and deleting um, old things out of Confluence that are no longer relevant. Like, hey, I had this product brief. This is what we're going to go out and test. And then updating that product brief once the test is run with here's the link to the test results, like making sure you're doing that on at least a quarterly basis. So um, I'm not sure how often like non-tech teams are jumping into Confluence, but it's got a really great search feature and you can really find anything that you're looking for. But oftentimes I find that what I, the search results that I get are typically out of date. So I would, I would challenge you to, to go back to your, to your confluence sections that you own and, and make that cleanup happen at least quarterly. Cause there is so much in there. That's not often relevant anymore. Yeah. Like carve out a day for documentation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of it is just taking the time to go and, and do the homework. Uh, we're, we're constantly in meetings and mm -hmm. other things that take a lot, of, uh, a lot of our time. But if we think what we're saying is documentation is so important for, for our jobs and, and for communication across team, if we take the time to really make that, you know, the, the best part of our job or the best part of our product line, I think that will help everything downstream from that. But totally. I have a question. Speaking of downstream, how do you all use documentation for go-to-market and getting the business aligned around a product that you're about to launch? Yeah, for that one, I think Google Docs is an excellent um, resource to use for that. Uh, for me, I will just start the documentation. Like I recently did one. I, I just put the whole plan in a Google Doc, and I started tagging people from different departments. I tagged marketing, tagged the analytics, tagged some other squads, asked questions, uh, are you guys in agreement? What do you think of this? And within an hour or two, I started getting comments from, from different people. So, but yeah, I, I think that is an excellent way to keep everybody on the same page and to keep everybody informed. And, and it was good because I had people putting in their concerns and also suggestions on how we might better do some steps I had in there on how to go to market. So for me, that seems to work very well.
Yeah, I think for go-to-market as well, calling out specific things you're not doing. Um, and this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list of literally everything that you're not doing, but more of um, some of the common things that are close to what you might be doing or maybe feature ideas that are exciting but are not quite the right thing to focus on right now. Um, that's helped me in the past because what tends to happen when you're going to market is you go back and forth with all of these different teams a lot about what feature is truly an MVP, what's truly critical, what's confusing, what's not confusing, what are the right metrics, how much are you going to spend on marketing? Um, and a lot of times you'll, you'll go back and forth on these decisions and you know entire teams will have different opinions kind of week by week. And so calling out, here's what we're doing and here's the things we're not trying to solve with this initial go-to-market uh, can help keep that alignment. And it might change. You might decide to change what is and is not being done, but that has kind of helped me in the past. Yeah, one other thing I found is really critical is obviously having the timelines, but also calling out very discreetly what are potential concerns with these timelines and then what are the success metrics that will let us continue iterating. Too frequently, we're just like, hey, we released this thing and people are like, great, it's done, right? And you're like, no, well, we're doing a 5% rollout here and that's conditional based on this. And then we're going to do a 25% you know, rollout to here. If we're not seeing those success criteria, then we're going to roll back or have some other plan and having that, you know, at least with your stakeholders, make sure that everybody's aligned if you do have to roll back or if you're not finding the success you expect right away. Yeah, I think that's a critical point. What are we doing, not doing, who are we doing this for, um, and how are we measuring this? Yeah. Cool. Um, so we're, we're coming up on time. Um, last thoughts, maybe. Let's go around one more time. I'd like to get a, a kind of thoughts on how are you using documentation now more than ever to uh, really stay like collaborating as a team? I know I think this is something that's kind of top of mind. Um, so I know for me personally, um, I think when you're not seeing everybody face to face as much as you're used to, writing in-depth documentation is a great way to kind of convey a lot of your thinking um, without it just being kind of a Zoom dump where, you know, maybe not all of that gets retained. And so um, I, I found it effective right now to step back, um, think about the projects that are being worked on and write out some like more thorough um, documentation and, and writing on that and sharing it with the team for input. And it's kind of like an asynchronous way, I think, to stay fairly connected. Um, it's something that wasn't immediately obvious to me until um, a couple weeks into this. So that's been one of my takeaways. I don't know if there's any other thoughts on how um, documentation can help you collaborate as a team effectively. Yeah, I think for me on a recent project, what really helped was writing something of a narrative for MVP versus version two versus version three. Um, as teams move fast, I think the, the main question, at least early on, is what's an MVP and what isn't? Um, and, and having a documentation that outlines that in a pretty clear way, I think is critical to helping people make decisions on their own. So that, that for me is something that's worked really well. I know a few other people have already called this out, but I would second or third or quadruple emphasize call out specific people in specific areas. None of us have the time, unfortunately, to go read the whole document. And if it gets longer, especially as an engineer, you're going to be like, I don't know what this is. I don't care. Give me the specific thing I need to delve into. So having that discrete call out helps even if people are remote and trying to digest a bigger product brief. Yeah, I've been trying to uh, 
set up folders where I capture meeting notes and tag people with the action items in those individual Google Docs so they know the action items assigned to them and then they can go in and clear that action item with the the you know results of the the items that they've owned. I've noticed that to be really helpful given this kind of more distributive environment that we're in, making sure that that visibility is sent out after the meeting because it's it's a lot easier in the office to catch somebody in the hallway and follow up on something, but I've been using Google Docs much more heavily to kind of track action items and status of, of where things are at. Awesome. Um, so homework, look up uh, jobs to be done. I think that was one of Kevin's recommendations. Um, I'd also recommend looking up the Amazon six pager or like the Amazon written narrative. You should be able to find it if you Google those terms. Um, they're notorious for kind of written documentation for product initiatives. So look those things up for inspiration and then take a stab at writing a document or updating a document to help you be more collaborative and really think through what you're working on with your team right now. Um, other than that, rate, subscribe, uh, all the usual business, coffee. Yeah. Um, if you don't know where to send us coffee, just write a comment and we'll respond. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, stay uh, stay sane uh, in your uh, work remote <laughs> environment. We're trying to. And uh, keep listening to the podcast. Uh, instead of listening when you're driving, listen to it when you're doing the dishes, whatever. Um, other than that, thanks for listening. Now, go level up.